Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome back again to the DOGS program. We are the defenders of government schools, the D-O-G-S. We're here every week because we need to be, because government schools are being attacked left, right and centre across this country and have been for the last 30 years, which is why we're here. Um, today our program is up to the minute in terms of news reviews and sort of articles which we're analysing about what's going on with education funding here in Australia and around the world. Uh, for some, this is very important information. For others, I'm sure it's boring, so... Um, yeah, um, you might, if you just give us a little while, just a little listen, you might find out what's going on, because we often give um, advice here in terms of financial advice, strangely enough, and um, there's been some articles in the paper, in the various media outlets actually, um, about poor parents who are discussing how they're going to have to move their children from the private school in which they're enrolled to some other school, which is cheaper, because... Uh, the private school lobbying groups have done this survey saying um, how terrible it is that fees are going to have to go up because uh, the taxpayer is not going to be coughing up quite so much money in the future. Also, um, parents are wondering about what suburb they're going to have to move to um, to get themselves into a good state school, all these aspirational people. And we'll be analysing these two things um, in, in the same context because we think they're related. Um, so we'll be doing that. Plus, of course, we're going to be talking about the great state schools around the state of Victoria and, Australia, and also the country of Australia because we're going to be talking about our great state school at the end of the program. Plus, we'll have... Other things in between, including a little bit of music. Uh, we had some Grieg on last week. People seem to like that, so we'll play you some more this week too. But um, before we go any further on the Docs program, we have tradition. And tradition is that we start our program with a press release. And the press release number 700 and what is it, Jane? 74. 74. 774 press releases all on our website at www.adogs.info. But this one, um, it's just gone up on the website now, but Jean, we're on the radio. What's it all about? Are private school parents voting with their feet for public schools? It's a million dollar, multi-million dollar, billion dollar question. The school year has predictable media hype points. The usual end of school year issues are reflected in the Fairfax media articles which we've listed. Uh, more recently, we've had Dan Ten uh, trying to keep people away from funding issues by talking about curriculum. And he's saying that too much is being talked. But his other comments stand at odds with Gonski 2.0, we're told, and maybe the current New South Wales review into uh, the Gonski funding model. What price yet another curriculum cultural war early next year? Uh, there's another article about um, the pressure to excel in the ATAR because the uh, HSC results have come out in New South Wales in the Fairfax media. And then the last two, which were earlier in December, on December the 5th, are perhaps more symptomatic of what's going to happen. Significant sacrifices, we're told, because private school parents are very worried about high fees. And um, there's a question as to what this really means, what's going on. But the more interesting one, perhaps, is that the Minister for Education up in New South Wales, uh, Rob Stokes, it's a coalition government up there, 
as saying that New South Wales could pilot morning and afternoon schools. Uh, and, of course, it's going to be very difficult with conventional schools to do this. The two most interesting articles, then, according to the dogs, are those last two published on the 5th of December. Because given the arrival of baby boom children, and we do have, we have had a baby boom, there have been a lot of babies in the um, pregnancy wards in the last few years, uh, last decade or so, these children are now moving into both primary and secondary schools, and alongside the movement of private school enrolments to public schools, state governments in both New South Wales and Victoria, and in other states as well, have got an infrastructure problem. We hear a lot about the need for new roads and new railways, but the question of new schools is even more questionable. Uh, and so there's a very interesting article, and this is in New South Wales about this. These are crisis measures, the dogs suggest, and they are usually attempted in third world countries. And they involve morning and afternoon schools and represent the New South Wales, a New South Wales coalition thought bubble. But it prompted over 100 interesting comments online some of which suggested the opening up of private schools to the public. Most of those comments were actually very anti-public schools, saying, we pay for them, open them up, morning and evening. But the next article, by Jordan Baker, refers to the worries of parents confronted with private school fees actually changing schools, and Robert will be talking about this at greater length. But this article, very interestingly, raised not one comment. Nobody reacted to it. And yet it's obviously a dog-whistling article. I just think this is very interesting. And you can go and read it at the Fairfax Media webpage. Now, Chris Bonner of Save Our Schools commented about this article about private school parents being fearful of raising the um, the private school fees, doesn't this sound familiar? We have these kind of articles almost every time this time of year. And he says that it's a form of push-polling. You do a survey, you raise anxiety, you increase the pressure for more state aid for private schools, and it's quite routine, ho-hum. But the content of the article itself implies reasons for the shift from the private to the public sector as parents face financial uncertainty in the current economic and political climate. And it's worth reading in full, and Robert will be reading it to you in full, as much for what it says as for what it does not say. Namely, that billions of dollars of state aid later since 1964, we've had billions and billions and billions, every year more billions of state aid given to the point of gross overfunding. In New South Wales, private schools are overfunded to the tune of $160 million at least. The private system is a failure. It fails to educate not only all Australian children, because it's not open to all Australian children, but even members of the insecure aspirational classes who can't be sure that these schools will give them a place or that their bank balance is going to extend once they've paid the mortgage to the private school fees. Only the public schools can give certainty when it comes to any kind of edu educational guarantee. So uh, we'll talk a bit later perhaps about the comments that were made, but Robert, over to you. What does this uh, article actually say? Thank you very much, Jane. Um, look, as you said, and I think it's worth pointing out once more, at this time of year you get all of these things coming together, all these people jumping up and down about what's going to happen next year. And usually there's an argument about private schools being all in a tears because they're not going to get all, their, all the things they want for the money that they want. Now... The title of this article, it's an interesting article, it's written by Jordan Baker. Um, I used to say Fairfax, but it's not Fairfax anymore, it's Channel 9. Fairfax is now defunct, um, it doesn't exist. 
Um, but it's in the paper which we call the Sydney Morning Herald, um, or indeed the Age, because often they're interchangeable. Uh, it came out on the 5th of December. It's by Jordan Baker. And she says, One in four private school parents would have to move their children to a different school if the fees increased, a survey of the Australian parents, uh, of, by the Australian Parents Council has found. Now, the Australian Parents Council um, is a subsidiary of the private school lobbying group. So they've gone out and they've given themselves a, a, a task to do a survey and the survey has found that parents are saying they're going to have to move their child to a different school if the fees at their private school increase. As Bond points out, this is push-polling. You set the agenda for Mm. uh, media discussion, Mm. but there's no comments. Mm. Would you like it if your fees went up next year? Question one. Um, Would you find it more financially uh, troubling if your fees went up? Question two. If your fees went up too much, would you have to move your child out of the school? Leading questions. They're just that, those are the questions you ask, and so you get this, um, you get these results. In the survey, about 85% of the parents said they would struggle or have to make significant sacrifices to pay the higher than expected fee rises. Now, whenever you hear the phrase "significant sacrifices" um, tagged to parents in the debate, that is one of the very few rhetorical gestures the private school lobby has. Still, they say, well. We do wonderful things for the country because we in the private school sector have our parents making significant sacrifices which save the taxpayers' money. Um, this is, in fact, erroneous. It's wrong and has been proved to be wrong for many years now, but it's still the rhetoric that they use. Seventy percent of these parents in this study, however, wanted their children's schools to give them a clear idea of the kind of cost hikes they're likely to face. Fair enough. Half were also concerned about the accuracy of new income tax post measures on their capacity to pay, while two-thirds worried about whether their children were getting a fair slice of the government education dollar. I'll I'll repeat that again. Two-thirds of private school parents were worried that their children weren't getting a fair slice of the government's education dollar. When they're overfunded to the point of $160 million. Just think what this, the public schools could do with that money. And I'll be coming to that in a minute because I think... That's taxpayers' money. Yeah, because what this survey and many other things that have come up lately have shown um, is that the private school lobby uh, exists in a, oh, a, a neoliberal free market. They have shown again and again in the rhetoric they're using that they do not give a rats about other children in other schools. The private school lobby has shown again and again they do not care about other children. They do not care about other children in private schools, quite frankly, but they certainly don't give a damn about children in state schools. That is the point of a private school lobby. They do not care about the education of the children of Australia. They care about the education of the children who are within their purview and their purview only. Um, Anyway, back to the article by Jordan Baker. She says, all schools in Australia have had their funding adjusted over the next decade according to the cross-sector needs-based formula, the Skonsky 2.0. Some 676 non-government school parents responded to the survey and the answers were consistent across both independent and Catholic sectors. So, fair enough. I'm, I'm not at all surprised considering the way these surveys are run. Now, the higher-than-expected fee rises would have an enormous impact on hundreds of thousands of families who have chosen to send their children to non-government schools and put enormous pressure on government schools, according to the Australian Parents Council, President Shelley Hill. Now, she's not actually, this is, this is incorrect, she is the president of the Australian Parents Council, but the Australian Parents Council does not represent Australian parents. It only represents those parents who send their children to private schools. That is, those parents who can afford to send their children to private schools of any sort. Now, parents who responded to the survey were concerned about the fairness of funding changes, and they said, from perspectives they are getting a fair... Are they getting a fair slice of the government dollars? This is, this is what this woman says, Ms Hill, the president of the Australian Private School Parents Association. She called on private schools to give parents better indications of how their... F- fees might rise over the next five years. I think, Miss Hill, if you're listening, um, you might be better off um, asking, for instance, um, asking the organisations which educate the children of the parents you represent, for instance, the Catholic Education Office in Victoria, how much money they get from the government they actually spend in the school for which it's allocated, because that's been a very opaque measure, and if I was a parent, I would be more concerned about that. Certainly, um, schools like Simmons College in West Melbourne have been getting only about 70% of the taxpayers' money that's allocated to them has actually been arriving at the school gate. 
for over the last five to ten years. Mm-hmm. So if I was a parent of a student in that private school, I'd be asking questions not of the government. I'd be asking questions of the organisations which are responsible for the teaching of your child. But again, uh, these things uh, are perhaps a little bit political for Mitchell, whose job is, I think, to, to stoke up the fears of private school parents that they're going to have to spend more money on their children's education, so therefore they might have to, horror of horrors, send their children to the best education system, which is, in fact, the state education system, the government school down the road. Well, Mr Elder of the Catholic Education Office is much more concerned with getting money to apply politics, particularly with robocalls in by-elections. Well, it was irrelevant. Such things were irrelevant with the last state election, I suggest. Mr um, Andrews is in and knows he is in on a state school vote. Hmm. Well, in relating to this, there are other parents who are also equally worried about where their dollars are going and their children's education. And they're aspirational, these parents, they have money. And under normal circumstances, I'm sure in, in, in what we call the Australian education economy, they might be likely to send their child to a private school, except they're not. They're school shopping, but they're not shopping for private schools, they're shopping for state schools. And there's a very interesting article, actually not in the education sector of a section of any newspaper, it's actually in the real estate section of what used to be the Fairfax Press, which is now the Channel 9 Press, uh, which is the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. And there's an article here about the drawbacks and benefits of downsizing, so getting a smaller house, but the smaller house will be in a good school zone. That is a state school zone. Now, the article by Colin Hawkins, and she's a real estate consultant, she says, no one ever said it was easy downsizing with a family from a suburban house to a small unit, but many families with money and means are getting a smaller house because, and just the principal reason is, to be in a school zone of a state school which suits their child's needs, which I think is absolutely fascinating. It is a particularly Australian mania. It really is quite weird. Australians, as I've said it before and I'll say it again, Australians have this blind spot when it comes to education. And the blind spot is this. Aspirational parents from around the country are shopping for a house that is in a zone that happens to be um, where a good, inverted commas, state school is. And so therefore they will spend the money, they will spend the extra $200,000 to get that, get to get Either, either, either buy the property or lease the house or spend the money or do something so that they're in a catchment for a good school zone. Whereas in many countries around the world, for instance in Scandinavian countries, they go, well, all schools are equally good. We spend the money of the, 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 that we give you as taxes to allow all schools to be equally good, so therefore these things do not matter. <laughs> therefore we do not spend this extra money. We do not have to sacrifice um, because your local school is the best school. Because all schools are equally good. And if they are not, then politicians beware. If there is a state school that is not up to scratch, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, the politicians will do something about that because they'll get themselves kicked out of government. Oh, not in Australia. Australia's a very different question. And so this, this is a fascinating article, and I actually do recommend it. It's, it's in the Fairfax. It's called, There Are Certainly Drawbacks... The Family Who Downsized for a Good School Zone by Colin Hawkins, and it was published on the 4th of December. Um, she goes through all the details about, you know, the horrors of living in a flat, but you sacrifice that because you're in a school zone which is suitable for your child. And when I say school zone, I mean a good state school. So these things, I think, are, the, are speaking to the same fears. I think we've got one article there which is talking about middle-class parents who are moving to a smaller unit so that they can have a good state school and save money that way. And then we have this article about private school parents, all the tears, all the flutter, saying how horrible it will be if we don't even know how much more money we're going to have to pay because we demand the choice to send our child to a private school. A private school, by the way, which by definition separates the children out. Private schools separate children out. They separate them out on gender. They separate them out on ethnicity. They separate them out on their religions. They separate them out on their ability to pay. Postcode fascism, they call it here in Australia. It's very particularly virulent in this country. Whereas, of course, state schools do not. So these two questions come, I think, to be answering the same fears which Australian parents at the moment are having to deal with. 
It's a very difficult thing, I'm sure, for them to do, but I'll be talking a little bit more about this, I think, after some, after some music. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. That was from Pig in Suite Number 2. That was the Arabian dance. Um, told you I promised you some more, Greg. It's just a bit of fun to listen to. Um, as we take a pause between the strange sort of education debates that pop up just before Christmas every year. Now, all of these things, you know, parents, you know, circling around the idea of how much money they're going to have to pay or where they're going to live for the best education of their child, one or the other, in the middle of this, there's this ridiculous spat going on. It's going on between Scott Morrison and Dan Tien and um, our state government, Andrews and Piccoli. They're trying to work out how much money should be going to what schools and when and who gets to pay. Now, the Andrews government 
fresh from a sort of, you know, I think, triumphant victory in the state election, and telling the federal government, we're not going to sign up to any deal whereby state schools don't get 100% of their allocated funding. And the federal government says, well, we're not going to give you, from the Australian taxpayers' share, we're not going to give you the money to allow students to be funded to 100% of their allocation on the Gonski scheme. We're just not going to do that. And the Victorian government says, well, I'm not signing a deal then. And so the federal government says, well, you're not getting any money then. And so the federal government saying, hey, you're not getting any money. All of a sudden, all of the private... All of the private school lobby groups, the independent groups, all the parents and Stephen L, they're jumping up and down there. Hang on, if the federal government doesn't cough up, we don't get our money. It doesn't matter about the public schools for them. They do not, in the most obvious way possible, give a damn about the, uh, about the public schools at all. They just don't care. That's not their job. That's not their problem. We don't care about 60% of the kids in this country at all. But we just don't care. But they are saying, you better sort this out, Mr Andrews, and take what you're given from the federal government, otherwise we don't get our money, because the federal government is very happy to give the private schools 100% or more of the allocation that they're required. But Mr Andrews isn't in on the Catholic vote. And he's got a very, very big majority, and for the next four years or so, he's really quite, quite secure, I, was, I would suggest. I would suggest that too. So there's this impasse, and I think it's fascinating, I mean, because this, this will work itself out and almost certainly not to the benefit of the state school sector, but I think it's very obvious now. It's just obvious that the private school lobby saying, this is the marketplace, we want our money, give it to us now, or we'll make your lives hell. And quite frankly, Andrews doesn't care. Doesn't need to. Doesn't need to. But the federal government, however, does. This has got to the point where just a couple of days ago, just a couple of days ago, the editorial in The Age dealt with this very question. And I'll quote now from the editorial in The Age newspaper, which says that when Malcolm Turnbull threw his government support behind the schooling reforms proposed by David Gonski in April of this year, he did so against the long-term backup of surveys showing that the academic performance of Australian children all Australian children, is slipping. We're going backwards educationally as a country. So that's just a given. We're doing that right now. In a setting at a uniform approach to the problem across states and territories, the federal government showed a welcome determination to learn from the mistakes of the earlier Gonska Review under the Gillard government. However, this week, a letter from the Victorian Premier Daniel Anders to Prime Minister Scott Morrison insisted the gap in funding for public schools that is combined federal and state funding, only meets 95% of their requirements under the schooling resource standard. And it must be filled up by the Commonwealth before Victoria will sign any education deal, that is the Gonski 2.0. And, of course, this raises the prospect of a widely agreed policy on teaching and assessment once again being forced to wait on a battle between the federal and the states. Now, Mr Andrews, fresh from his election triumph, certainly will not be shy or shy away from insisting on equity for the state school sector, which he knows got him into government. He knows that. The Labor Party now know that. And the figures, the actual figures about what's actually going on and how the private schools are um, very, very much in the forefront as far as funding is concerned, um, this is on the ABC website. This is in the papers. This is in the Fairfax media, yeah. thanks to the Save Our Schools people doing their homework. And, and the figures are there for everyone to see. And indeed, the Labor Party making state schools an election issue. Yes. Now, Education Minister James Molino has long advocated for this as well. Now, Mr Morrison who's at a very different and much more precarious stage in the election cycle, has tried to put the blame on this impasse squarely on Spring Street. But he must know that such a standoff is going into an election year is not likely to improve the attitude of those voters with school-aged children to the Liberals' already fragile Victorian cohort, especially when the federal ALP is standing in the wings promising as much as $800 million in additional cash for the state schools and to backdate funding which has been withheld by Mr Morrison. Now, this announcement at the moment is that Morrison's holding back from Victoria $1.25 billion in health spending as well. He's tying it all together to try and sort of bully Andrews. But also the products of a standoff with Victoria, because Queensland's doing the same thing, show that the electoral necessity is the mother of all invention. 
in terms of what the states are now doing. Now, the federal government has already learnt that it ignores the constituency discontent at its peril in its clashes with the Catholic school sector up in Queensland over the question of Gonski 2.0. But the state school vote is far more powerful. And many people who, are, who, who send their children to state schools still do vote Liberal. It, it happens that way. But if he's not going to make it, if he's going to withhold money from both school sectors in Victoria because, and he says he's not going to give state schools what they actually, by the way, what they actually deserve is an agreed amount. It's not, it, that's not up for question. It's, he's just saying, no, I'm just not going to do it. I know it's fair, but I'm still not going to do it. Now, this is, by the way, I'm reading from the editorial of The Age. I could be reading from one of Jane's press releases. It's kind of the same thing. It's really weird, isn't it, Jane? Yeah. Yeah, the educational experience of Victorian school children, from classroom performance to concern over the crowded curriculum, is a real loser from this protracted dispute. It is perhaps too much to hope for the return of what Tony Abbott once called the unity ticket on the issue. But surely it will be the Christmas spirit of both sides to give schools, at most at risk, from the total funding shutdown, some certainty heading into the new year by withdrawing legal threats and making a new commitment to work together in the quest for better outcomes. Ah, but the um, right wing of the Liberal Party uh, don't want Catholic children to come into state schools. It's a long, 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 long idea. Which we uh, might, so dis- which we might discuss Erica next Betts week. and other people uh, are there behind Mr Morrison, so I suspect that that's what's actually going on. Oh, I, I don't know about that. You have to tell us about it next week, I think, Jane. Mm. But let's have some more music before we continue on by discussing news views. And, of course, I've got what I promised already. We'll be discussing our great state school later in the program.
Welcome back to the dogs program. It's quite complicated this time of year. Everyone's jumping up and down, and state schools are usually the, the loser, especially during the holidays. But on top of all this, on top of all this money going to who and where and how, we have the federal education minister. <laughs> His name's Dan Tian, and um, here at the dogs, we've we've seen a lot of education ministers come and go, haven't we, Jane? With, mm. Oh, there's been mm. a few, but I tell you what, he's like prime ministers. Oh, well, over the decades, really, but certainly over the over the months now, isn't it? When it comes to prime ministers, in the old days, you know. The way to the Prime Ministership was through the Education Ministry. Now, of course, it's like a, a poison chalice. Um, well, Dan Tian, and I'm going to have to say this, our Federal Education Minister, the person who's responsible for, in the end for all the schools in Australia, um, uh, I'm going to say what he said because I, I think the general public needs to know this because Dan Tian has come up with a, the problem. He's named a problem in Australian schools today. We've been talking about underfunded schools. We've been talking about the Australian kids falling behind the rest of the world in a dramatic way over the last 10 years, which is the backdrop to all of this. How does he distract us? Well, I don't know. But he's, he's come up with his name to pain. In the 21st century, when children are growing up and need to be educated in the ways of the world to function in a 21st century technological risk, risky environment, but also rich environment, Dan Tian says the solution to Australia's education woes are to da, 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 heightening the emphasis on core subjects like maths and English. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this. This is an article by Fergus Hunter on the 9th of December, again from the Fairfax Press. He says, Amid concerns over declining academic results, which are internationally falling off a cliff as far as Australia is concerned, Mr Tian tells an education conference at the Australian National University that the Morrison government wants to revamp the goals of the school system and better support teachers. But in his speech, education standards are about more than finding levels. Fair enough. Good. And clear message to teachers that he wants to support them. But he's going to support math teachers and English teachers because children got to get back to the three R's. He says the Australian curriculum has the fundamentals right and therefore a total overhaul is not required, but we can maintain stability while reducing complexity. Now, I'm just going to say that again. He wants to reduce the complexity of the Australian curriculum for 21st century children in our schools. As the world becomes more complex, he wants them to be educated all less complex-like because if he teaches them simple, then the world gets simple. I don't even understand this anymore. You know, back in the 60s, oh, kids can't spell, kids can't read, we've got to... You know, we live in the 21st century, where technological literacy is an immensely complex thing. I mean, I'm too old to really understand it. I'm not a digital native, but I understand that that's what's required for kids these days. But he says he wants to reduce the complexity of what children... He wants to dumb down the curriculum, because that's going to solve Australia's educational problems. He says he's promised extensive public consultation progress, probably with old white men, calling for an input from teachers, parents, students and the broader community. Yeah, well, consultation is not listening. But he's basically saying, I'm going to take all their mobile fines away and I'm going to make it all simple for them because that's going to help them in the world and the universe to come. This guy's got to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can muck around with money, you can play with children, but if you're saying we're going to teach you less complicated stuff because that's going to make you learn better and be better than those kids from overseas who know more than you do, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And at the same time, we've got Rob Stokes in New South Wales saying, well, we, we can solve overcrowding problems by having, was it morning school and afternoon school? He wants to use the same school facilities to have two separate schools. Kids turn up at 7 o'clock in the morning, get educated to 12, then they go home. Then another bunch of kids can turn up at half past 12 and get educated till 5. But what about all the parents who have to go to work? I mean, it's a child-minding operation, isn't it? Oh, I, don't think that, I really don't think that's going to take off at um, Methodist Ladies College. I really don't think that's going to take off at Geelong Grammar. I really don't think that's going to take off at an Anglican girls' school anywhere. I don't think any, I don't think a single private school is going to be doing that. 
I think we are going to have a two, like a genuinely two-tiered education system where you have sort of morning school and after school and the state school, but then all the all the proper kids get proper education in the proper schools because they can properly pay for it. That's what that argument's all about. I'm, I, I find this. They're looking at Singapore where you have high-rise um, uh, schools, and there is in fact in that report a very interesting picture of Surrey Hills Public School, which was a lovely a lovely 19th century structure, and behind it, a 14-storey uh, monolith where they're going to be putting children, uh, some children in the morning starting at 7 o'clock and other children in the evening after the first lot have gone through. Do you know um, what? I'm going to listen to Dan Tan, and I'm going to take what he says seriously. When I see an advertisement on a bus or in an airport for a private school that says... St X and X and X private school, we don't teach music, we don't do sport, we just do maths and we just do English because that's what your child needs with a sm- picture of a smiling child next to it. <laughs> Fees starting 20000 a year. When I see that ad, because there's so many ads for private schools in Melbourne these days, when I see that ad saying... Oh, we don't give you a well-rounded child. We don't teach them maths. We don't teach them English. We don't teach them literature. We just tell them how to read and how to count good. 20,000, please, up front. When I see that poster, I'll believe what Mr. Tian says. Because every time I see a poster for what a good school's supposed to be, and actually I will tend to agree with this, they're saying, we've got a good music program. We've got a good sports program. We've got a good literature program. We have experts come into our school to inspire our children. We do things outside maths and English because that's what a good education is about. And often you will see advertisement from private schools saying, the future leaders of tomorrow. And you don't have underneath that, who can read and write and count good. <laughs> no. No. Because every child in Australia, in our schools, is a future leader of tomorrow. Not just the rich ones, not just the ones that can afford private schools. Every child is the potential leader of tomorrow. So when they do that, I'll listen to Mr. Tian's advice on what's going to make um, schools in Australia better. But um, up until that point, Mr. Tian, um, you're a disgrace. reading too much Kevin Donnelly. Um, (laughs) I I tried to read Kevin Donnelly once. It didn't go well. Um, look, I think we should have a little bit of a break and I'll finish on and up because I've got this wonderful school I really want to tell you about. It's in a place, it's actually been, the, well, will be in the news quite soon because it's the 10th year of the anniversary of the bushfires in King Lake. And today, after, after a few messages, I want to tell you about what's going on at Middle King Lake Primary School up there, up there in the bush. In the summer, I went swimming in the summer. Summer brings swimming, summer brings picnics in the park, and summer brings the 3CR Summer Wine Fundraiser. Thanks to the support of Small Patch Wine Store in Hawthorne, we're selling 3CR Radical Radio labelled wines for only $15 a bottle. And they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Call the station between 9 to 5 on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Then you can drop into our Fitzroy studios to collect before the 21st of December. Small Patch Wine Store is a 3CR supporter. Looking for a gift for the lefty in your life this Christmas? 3CR has a range of publications, clothing, CDs, wine and other products available online or from the station. New items include the 2019 How to Make Trouble and Influence People Diary, which features a radical event in Australian history for each day of the year, as well as stories and images covering Indigenous Australian resistance, strikes, street art, convict escapes, creative direct action, blockades, protests and occupations. Also available is Fighting for Space 
spaces fighting for our lives, a collection of essays, photographs and first-hand accounts about the squatting movements from around the world today. And on the fly, an anthology which features dozens of stories, poems and songs originally produced by American hobos from the 1870s to the 1940s. Sale of these publications all help keep 3CR on air. For more information or to make a purchase, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Middle Kinglake. Middle King Lake Primary School. It's an amazing little place. First thing I'm going to tell you is how much it costs to educate a kid up at Middle King Lake Primary School. Look, it takes about eleven to twelve thousand dollars to give a child an education, an average child. Well, I don't know what that is, but you know, if you take the median child in Australia, it takes about eleven to twelve thousand dollars to give them a gold standard education in this great nation of Australia these days. They spend fifteen and a half thousand dollars per kid up there, so they're spending more of our taxpayers' money. More of our taxpayers' money, oh, hang on, more of our taxpayers' money on these kids to educate them. Well, obviously they're not in the centre of town, so there's a little bit more that you need to spend on them if they're out there in the bush, sort of in the bush, just on the edge, about 70, 80 k from Melbourne. Um, so they're spending a bit of money out there, and you go, oh, well, that's a bit of a waste of money, you know, it's not good. But let me tell you about the results those kids are getting. You know, are those kids getting good results? Certainly. Compared to all Australian students, they are doing really well. In grammar, in numeracy and reading, just like Mr T and wants them to. Up there, their reading's good, their grammar's good. The spelling's not brilliant, I have to say, but compared to similar students in, in other schools, their, re- their spelling's just fine, but their grammar and their numeracy are off the charts. So I tell you what, they've got really good math teachers and they've got some really good English teachers up there doing really cool stuff at Middle King Lake Primary School. But $15,000 per kid, ooh, I don't know about that. That's, that's How come they're spending all this money, extra money, taxpayers' money, on all these kids in this little King Lake or middle King Lake primary school? What, there were bushfires up there. There were, ten, ten years ago. There are a lot of traumatised children and parents there. Indeed, and 121 of them. And a very large number of students at this school with disabilities. In 2009, seven classroom teachers were supported by additional assistance teachers, so there's additional assistance teachers. That's where a lot of the money's going from. And five, education support staff as well because of the children. They're educating in a, just a middle King Lake primary school that have disabilities. They're integrating. Yep. The dis- the it's dis- an inclusive wonderful. curriculum. Yeah. It incorporates art, music, library, phys ed, and Auslan. Yeah. They teach Auslan. And they teach Auslan in the school because the kids in the school need to learn Auslan to have a chat to their mates in the playground. So, yeah. So, oh, well, there's a bit of extra money. I'm happy for that money to get spent. This is a state school, by the way. This is a school that takes everyone. If you live in the area, you go there. And I'm pretty sure some people say, this is a good school. I'm going to send my kid there, especially if it's got such a focus on disabilities. The whole school integrated topics were established with a strong emphasis on environmental awareness and sustainability, not surprising, seeing as the whole school got burnt down. It also has a whole school buddy system. Everyone's got someone they get to look after. Extracurricular opportunities include the Boat Chorus, they have a choir, instrumental music, inter-school sports, they have an environmental group, and they go out camping in the bush. Well, wouldn't you if you lived out there? They have leadership programs, including junior school council and house captains. Now, the vision of the school is to develop a dynamic culture to inspire leadership and a love of learning. Hear that, Mr. Tan? Middle King Lake Primary School, yeah, they do good at all that counting and reading and writing and stuff, but that's not what they're about. They're about developing leadership in just a little Middle King Lake Primary School. Good on them. Now, at the moment, it's in a temporary school site. And in that temporary school site, they've got veggie gardens. They've got a hen house, play areas, in the play areas. So lunchtime is when you go and look after the hens as well. Um, and, of course, when they get their permanent site, things will get even better. 
The outside school house program is conducted within the school school building and allocates an active after-school program that operates two nights per week and offers a diverse range of physical activities that includes wheelchair sports. I'd like to point out that if their school was burnt down, this is almost 10 years later and they still don't have a replacement school. And even within that context, they are doing amazing things. They take every... See, this is what state schools are all about. There is not a single private school in this country that can claim to have the values of this Mm. school. Mm. The values of this school are the values of a state school, which makes this school, in a very simple way, a great state school. So I'd just like to say that the Middle Kinglake Primary School up there in Kinglake, Central Victoria, you are our great state school of the week. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. State Sunshine schools. North Primary They're School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long don't necessarily start off with a Positive great Positive relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Well, we're coming to the end of the dogs program. If you've lasted this long, hopefully you've learned something. Um, If you are interested in what we've been talking about, of course, you could get in touch with us at our website at www.agdogs.info. If you think what we're saying is interesting, you can contact us there and Gene's press release uh, will be available by, by the time you're logging on, that's for sure. And um, if you're interested in what we do, please feel free to contact us on our website. But you can also give us a call here at the station. If you do want to recommend a great state school for the dogs program, say, oh, no, there's a great state school down the road. All you've got to do is call 419, 9419, I should say, 9419. 8377. That's 94198377. Say, can you let Rob know about this great state school? I'll do all the research and it'll go to air in the weeks to come. Um, I think just before we go, um, what I might be focusing on next week is the Greens education policy. They've come out with a new one, which I think is rather interesting. Mm. This new education policy is all about free universities. And TAFE. And TAFE. Because Australia is losing all of our skills because we stuffed up our TAFE sector and we're in the process of stuffing up our tertiary sector. You can actually blame the Labor Party, Mr Dawkins, for that back in the 1980s. Thanks, Mr Dawkins. Mr Howard and others have helped along. Yep. Um, And so, yeah, we we don't often talk about tertiary. We're often talking about primary and secondary schools because that's where the rot starts. But... Yeah, it goes all the way through these neoliberals. They want to muck around with our kids. I think they should. neoliberals should get their hands off the children of Australia. Um, well, Robert, you might have had a hex debt, but I had no fees whatever to pay, ever. Oh, you baby boomers. I'm yeah. so jealous. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, and, and until and next week... I'm telling you this because it means it's possible yeah. and the Greens are only going back to what actually existed. Mm, so, actually... 
conservative, not progressive Correct. at all. In the best sense of that word. That's true. Anyway, until next week, it's been great to have you company. But until next week, from us at the Dog Program, from myself, uh, Roll Van Jean, and Dale, our producer, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joey last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joey, you're ten years dead I never died, says he Standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge Says Joe, but I ain't dead Says Joe, but I'm dead The copper bosses killed you, Joe They shot you, Joe, says I Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. On to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find. Magazine, Australia's most inclusive publication about sex and gender, will launch their 11th issue at Arts Project Australia in Northcote this coming Friday, the 14th of December. Join us from 7.30pm for readings, performance, raffles, disco tunes and one of the most feisty and friendly dance floors in town. Tickets start at $5 and no one's turned away for lack of funds. For more information and to book tickets, head to facebook.com forward slash Archer Magazine. A 3CR supporter. The City of Stonington presents Carols at Como Park. Join host Shane Jacobson for an evening featuring performances by Casey Donovan and many more. Bring along a picnic and celebrate under the stars with a riverside pyrotechnic display to conclude the night. Carols at Como Park, Sunday, December 16, from 7.30pm. See the City of Stonington website for more details. A 3CR supporter.